I told you today that as as I came I was just asking Holy Spirit what do you want to minister? And he just said those same words comfort refreshing healing. And the scripture is Matthew 11:28. Matthew we've taken a break from the principles and practices of honor. We will continue, but it's good to stop and hear what God is saying. That God is is saying to us that we are weary. We are tired, we are worn out. And he wants to refresh us before we can continue talking about what to do. You see, it's easy to give when you have what to give. It's very difficult to give when you have nothing left to give. And so sometimes as a mother, I am guilty because I'm snapping at my children. I think the scripture is about in front of me it looks really bad. My screen is not good but I think it will be it's okay the scripture is in my heart it's fine as long as it's on the screen that I can come home and I'm snapping at my children you know I'm cut with them you know when you come home the children you've had a long day but for the children they've been waiting to see you all day so their day has just begun so they're really excited to see and they're asking a thousand questions and I'll find myself you know stop leave me give me a minute do you leave me alone you know and you're thinking what have, they are trying to love you Why are you angry? <laughs> and I found that instead of guilt for me those are moments to recognize that I'm running out. I'm running low. I'm running low. Something is not right in my heart. You see many times we we demand of ourselves to produce what we don't have. We are so we are so aware of one our weaknesses our faults our failures and i think that's why god gives grace he gives grace god doesn't dish out condemnation if you've been feeling condemned it's not god god does not have a ministry of condemnation and judgment and guilt he put all the judgment on jesus christ that condemnation that you're feeling god wants to fill us today with his grace his love that we may be able to only you see when you're overflowing you're not working hard to release things but when you have to squeeze it out you're working hard but when you're overflowing it's just naturally and if you think of the seasons when you've been receiving from god it's like you're gracious you're kind you're patient because deep is calling unto deep right that when you hang around jesus He, he he ministers to you you see when you come around a generous god what posture should you take what's your best posture a giver or a receiver if you come before a generous god a receiver right but how many times do we come to god as givers right we come to god to give him praise to give him worship to give him to give him money to give him to give him to give him we come to give and it's especially even for those of us who serve like if you're serving in church it's worse You can get to a point where by the way you're no longer receiving from God. I've been there. I remember years ago at Katikati because we I there's a time when the people on the worship team were also on the guest experience were also the missional leaders were also the elders like when they would call up teams there's a time they would do award giving gifts to everyone who was serving because we were so few and you'd come up like seven times in every team. What would happen is that you get to a point and you're going to church to work and you it's not that you that's not what you're thinking when you're going but you're a committed person 
So you get up, you go, and while the someone is going on, you're thinking about things that are not going well, who is fixing the slide, something is not right. And by the time, and then you're thinking about your the worship team, you're coming back, checking to see if they've changed the song, has the response song changed, you know, and preparing for what needs to happen. And the service ends, and people are coming testifying of miracles, and your life is stuck. Because you see, without the seed of the word, the harvest can't come forth. But many times we're not positioning ourselves to receive. I don't know if it's in, is it in Matthew or Luke chapter 40? The story of Mary and Martha. I think it's Luke. I'm not so sure. But that story is a story that shows us what matters to God and the posture he's calling us to take as his children. We've reached the month of May. It's the fifth month of the year. And many of us, we've been running so quick. We are not running to God. Neither are we really running away from him, but we are chasing life. Things have to happen. We need things to move. And we are hard on ourselves. And Mary and Martha, Jesus visits them. They are these sisters, the sisters of Lazarus, the one who was raised from the dead. And so Jesus visits Mary and Martha, and he comes to their house. And I tell you what, today Jesus has come to your house. (laughs) He's coming to visit at your home, in your heart. You see, his home is your heart. His home is not a physical building. He stopped living in buildings, much as we're now giving him real estate on the earth and saying we are marking out an area and saying this one belongs to the kingdom of God. But the place he likes to reside is in our hearts. That's what he has found to be the most beautiful place where his spirit lives. And so... He entered this village. He goes to visit a certain woman named Martha, welcomed him into her house. Many of us have already welcomed Jesus into our house. Okay? Today there's going to be salvations. But I can assure you that the people I'm speaking about today, the most weary sometimes, are the ones who have already welcomed Jesus into our house. We have him, the king of peace, but we lack peace. We're dealing with, you see the thing with condemnation and guilt, they can't tell. You can learn to hide it. You smile through it, but inside you're feeling so... And I learned about guilt because I have been one of those who has dealt with guilt for so many years because nothing is ever enough. Nothing is ever enough if you're dealing with guilt because if you read your Bible and you miss one day, that's now guilt. You missed a day. You're not perfect. Then you read a chapter and the devil will tell you, at your level, you should be reading five chapters. Then you'll try five chapters and then he'll tell you at your level you've not even finished the New Testament. Then you'll start trying, now you start trying to read the New Testament. Then he'll tell you, really, you can't even memorize scripture word for word. If you memorize it, he'll tell you you've got a simple version. How about King James? If you try, do you understand? Nothing will ever be enough. If, you, if you've been able to do all that, he'll tell you how about prayer. Then you'll be able to pray. Then maybe your tongues are confusing to you. You wonder if they are tongues or if you're lying. Then maybe they are tongues, but you hear someone say they are actually new tongues. Then the apostle can interpret tongues. Then you realize you can't prophesy a certain accuracy. Then you realize you lack discernment. Let me tell you, it is never enough. And that's why God doesn't invite us to bring to him what we bring to the table. But he invites us to take on the posture of a beloved child, even as we work towards wanting more of him, that it's not because we want him to be pleased with us. That we do all that because we know he is already pleased with us because of Jesus. And so your prayer time doesn't become a chore to tick. That when you pray at 5 past 5 a.m. now you've fallen short. 
or if you're too tired and you sleep in one day now you've lost it or one week you you you've slept in and maybe you talk to god on the way to work and the devil tells you no sweetheart you're supposed to be praying from 3 a.m. to 5 god can't hear you now that's why you're having a bad day you didn't wake up and maybe you've been sleeping late because of work or you're like me you have a new baby so you don't know when you ever sleep but you're supposed to pray at 5 a.m. which hour did god set aside for that to happen David prays to God in the night watches in the mornings in the afternoons that's why I think God put those patterns in the scriptures some people woke up a long while before daylight others went at the hour of prayer at 3 p.m. others it was spent a night in prayer went away in the evenings to show us that at any point you can get away with God and so that a good thing doesn't become a point of condemnation by the enemy we are not unaware of his tricks this is the thing i discovered about the devil you know that the devil is not creative He's not creative. Creativity is for God and the children of God. So, when I discovered this about 4 years ago, it's almost impossible for me to 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 stay in a certain state like this is what the devil does. He will come, he will discourage, he will overwhelm, like he'll discourage you and then he'll go from discouragement to overwhelming. Where First of all, maybe money is tight, your children are falling sick, things are not working out. That's when your pastor sends you a bad message or you get a reminder for your arise and build pledge which you've not fulfilled and the, and everything it's like everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And he, and then now what you feel like is to run away from fellowship. Because once he isolates you, he has you. Then I realized, oh, the devil is not creative. If you think about it, think of patterns in your life. There are seasons of overwhelming. Every once in a while, you get a season where you can't take it. Then you feel like giving up on everything. Now I learned that that's when I should never give up, because the devil can't tell what God is doing a hundred percent, but he can tell that something is going on. He can tell that so because he can't read the thing a hundred percent, the little clue he has, and because he has more faith in God than us. He actually he really does because the way he fights us he really believes what God is doing in our lives more than we believe. Yeah. So he starts coming at us to get us distracted from the word because the enemy attacks the word of God in your life. I realized guys that every time there's a crazy attack over your life you're about to enter a new season of breakthrough. Can I promise you to God you go and test it after today. Every time crazy stuff starts to happen in your life dig in deep and refuse to move that's why he says after you've done all you can stand that man knew something he's like listen to me put on your war gear and go to fight but after you've done everything don't quit don't quit that job when you are at your worst in terms of stress wait for the stress to pass because what you don't know is maybe there's a promotion in 3 weeks time And some of you are like you don't know my boss. The thing is that you think that's your boss. You need to know who your boss is. The favor that brings promotion does not come from anywhere on earth. It comes from God. In that marriage when you feel like I can't take it anymore. Hang, never you leave you should leave you should leave a workplace, you should leave If you want to move on from ministry to something else live when it's at its best that's when god speaks god speaks in an environment of peace he never speaks in chaos he says you shall hold your peace and the lord shall fight for you yeah exodus 14:14 14. he says if you can hold your peace i will fight but if you're not holding your peace you're fighting usually and so he can't fight while you're fighting so you hold on to your peace 
When there's chaos in your life, when the enemy is bringing voices in the night, you can't sleep, your body is aching, the children are misbehaving, the thing you hope for is not the finances. It's like, you know you get to a point and you're like, oh God, am I cast? You stick through that season. Your missional community is not working out. I don't know what. In fact, the more you call them, the less they come. It's like, you know, you're like, you guys, nothing is working out. Dave, you've been chucked by that boy or that girl. You've been, it's like everything. Just, I'm telling you the truth, that devil is not creative. He has no creativity. He does the same thing to everyone. He has no creativity. He just does You tell me what new weapons has he come up with in your life? And many of us, the devil attacks the same way. This is the problem. When you don't pass that test, you have to keep going through it. Yeah, because then he knows what to touch. He knows this one, I touch these buttons, it's over. Hey, they start catching fire here, I touch these buttons, it's over. They catch here, I touch these buttons, it's over. So now when he realizes that the buttons are not working anymore, now he doesn't know what to do because he's not creative. So you find that you've become so strong, a thing is happening, you're... <laughs> you, you, like, it's like one of the things I've realized in my life that the devil does a lot. He attacks me in my health like crazy. So I learned not to even make a big deal of it. You will never know. I will show up and, and, and those are the times when I will preach the most powerful sermons. Those are the times when people will get healed and delivered. Those, I, like I'm telling you, I can go to bed okay and I'll wake up in the morning with a swollen face and eye like I'm not joking. I've taken pictures and shown and laughed and sent my friends. I'm telling them this is, I tell them 1 a.m. I take a picture. 2 a.m. The full eye has closed and the lip is now swollen. In one hour. And I'm like, so funny. Then I laugh. I'm like, by morning, I'll be fine. Uh, whatever happens, I'm going to do what I said I would do. And I just push through it. Because if I was going to make a big deal out of those things, I've, for me, I've realized that's the pattern. In my life, it's my health. And at first it used to be, a, I would feel like, maybe I'm not spiritual enough. I will tell my husband, what haven't I done? What don't I know in the scriptures? What is it that I've missed? Then I'm like, oh, this is what you attack. Do your worst. The day you do it is when I must go out and minister healing to others. Because I noticed that, then he's confused, the thing has to go. The things used to last long, now they last like 24 hours or five, sometimes two hours, the thing stops. So he moved from me and started attacking my children. I laughed. Yeah, because I have the pictures of my children waking up with a swollen, a swollen lip. Swollen. Like when I say swollen, don't say there's like a thing here. No, so like a lip and it's falling like this here. And I just take pictures. And I laugh. I tell them, let's laugh at the devil. You go and play. Continue your day. And then like by evening, the thing stopped. Everything is back to normal. Yeah. Then he stopped because that went on for about two months. My children were just getting strange things. First swelled on the lip. Then one day I woke up and my daughter had a swelling in her armpit. I'd never seen anything like that. It looked like it needed surgery. Like she went to bed, okay? Woke up with a swelling. So, so big, maybe half my hand. The size of half my hand. And it was so painful. There's a night I'll never forget at our home. I was sleeping and I just sensed in my spirit, wake up and check on the kids. I went. I checked. I, it was dark, so I touched them. They were okay. Then I felt, Mm-mm, turn on the light. Now, uh, my, my daughters, three of them at the time, and we had someone who was living with us. 
they had, I found that all of them were sleeping in vomit. They all threw up in their sleep a lot of, like a lot, a lot of puke. All of them were in it. And so I went to them one by one, woke them up, changed bed sheets. Because one of them was sleeping in another bedroom, I said, let me go and check. I was laughing. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Because even the way they were sleeping was so dangerous. The way they threw up in their sleep and continued sleeping, all of them. And then I went to the third one and found her as well. <laughs> in, in, for her now, she was ongoing. She was vomiting and then continuing to sleep, which is very dangerous. So I, they had been to a party, so I called the parents of the other children who had been to the party and asked, are your children okay? See, yeah. Is anyone throwing up? No. Plus the girl who we live with was not throwing up. It was my children only, three of them. And in the morning I asked them, I felt, I don't know, I, I don't know what happened. They didn't know what had happened. They, they didn't, how can you throw up that much and not know that you've thrown up? So I just woke up. But the night before I had felt like something is going on, so I anointed the whole house went around with anointing oil, ah, whatever it is. But you know what the devil does there? He's to scare you. You can start thinking, mm. now meets the opposite. I'm like, yeah, if you have the devil's attention, eh? he has seen a thing. I want you to see that God loves you. He's looking out for you. Those things don't come from God. But learn that the devil attacks you. Come for your finances. Your, I'll tell you, there's a time chairman and, 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 and Pastor Peace, their business was that how many chickens did you lose in like one, whatever, week or something? Eh? 154. 800. I remember it was 800 and something. 864 chickens. This is their business. You wake up and 864 chickens are dead. I just told them promotion is coming. Promotion hasn't it already come the kind of contracts they've started to sign are ridiculous but you see if at that point they had started speaking death he wants you to work for him the devil wants you on his payroll because he can't do anything without you he wants you to start opening your mouth and say I'm cursed everyone is there giving me I'm cursed never the moment bad things start to happen you open your mouth and say oh promotion promotion is coming I have the devil's attention he has seen ahead that something good is about to break through. I can assure you he's not creative. He was scared. He had seen a little bit of what was coming. And I can assure you it's a little bit. But you know what he does? What, what he wants you to do at that point? Stop tithing. Start speaking death. Start, you know, now gal galvanizing your resources. But instead you switch and, start, I, and just start speaking life. Over your children over your relationships, over your finances, over everything that concerns you. Every time there is an attack, understand how God operates. He says, go and fight for I have already given you victory. God does not fight to get victory. He fights from victory. You're engaging in a war that's already won. You can't be fighting. You can't be fighting. It's like someone watching a... A, a game, a soccer game which was on replay. You can't react like the ones who are waiting to see the result. You be hanging out with your friends because you know what's going to happen in the 40th minute, in the 92nd minute. Eh, you're like, ah, you guys, by the way, one. No, you can't be there on pressure when you knew how the game ended. So you can't be on pressure concerning your life when you know that no matter what, it is working for my good. And the year has to be the best year yet. 
So maybe we are in May and you're wondering what's going on. We still have until December 31st. Whether God turns things around on the 31st of December before midnight, it must be your best year yet. God has to be true. And you know what? If what you've hoped for doesn't come to pass, you don't give up hope. Faith and patience. And you go to the one who comforts in the times when it's difficult to stay excited and in hope. You go and receive his comfort. But I want you to know God is not the one condemning you. He goes to Martha and Mary's home, visits them. And Mary welcomes Jesus and sits at his feet. She takes on the posture of a child, a loved. I don't know how many times my daughter, Karabo, will, mommy, mommy, push over, extend, and she wants, by the way, I'm told extend is a wrong English word, because it means you're telling someone to extend their limbs. Eh? Like extension is, is, yeah, that, you're supposed to say, you know, move over, you know, please shift, move to the other seat, not extend. Extend means extend. It's the opposite, upwards, sideways. So yeah, yeah, some English lesson. So my, but my daughter says extend. Mommy, extend. And half the time, she, you're sitting in a small chair. She wants to sit around. Tell her, why? I just want to be near you. And I think that's what God wants, us, wants from us. Because he says that Mary, Martha was, let's read it actually and see. And now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also did what? sat at Jesus' feet and did what? Mary welcomed Jesus. Martha, Martha, it was Martha's house. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and had his word. But Martha, what happened to Martha? What does the Bible say? She was what? Distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, this is your guest, Wanangi. You're now engaging the Tell her. Tell her to come and help me. Like, I think she's, she was sort of like, Jesus, are you for real? Like, can't you see that I'm, I'm working alone? Someone who should be helping me sitting next to you. Sometimes you feel that way. You watch people, they're always testifying. But according to you, they don't work as hard as you do. You are serving in the ministry on three teams. You lead five mission or communities. They did absolutely nothing. You quote scripture, they can barely say, somewhere in the Bible it says, for you, you know it word perfect. You're sitting there thinking, what's going on here? Am I a higher link? Does God reward bad behavior? It's the posture of the heart. You see, it is children who inherit, not workers. Servants and workers get a wage. But it's better to get an inheritance than to get a wage. Not so. So God is saying to her, he starts to, because she's now, what happens? How you start to know you're tired? You start, you start, what's this? How do you describe what she's doing? You start grumbling and complaining. In your heart, sometimes you don't say, but inside. Mm-hmm. They are the ones. If you know what some of us are going through. Inside, you're always answering back when people are saying things. You're listening to someone, your head is answering with questions. What about this situation? 
how about are you even considerate of you think everyone is like you you know your brain you're complaining you understand their voices you're, you're speaking back because there is a disgruntlement in your heart where there is strife and disgruntlement i can assure you that something is off you need to come back to jesus as a child you've left your position you've become a servant in the house of your father And it is the heart that receives the things of God. Even though God wants to bestow on us the inheritance, if we approach him as servants, we will cut ourselves off. Like that son we read about in Luke 15, who stayed home. And when he stayed home, the Bible says everything that was left behind belonged to him. Because the father divided the portion between two sons. One went with his stuff, the other one stayed behind with his stuff. But he didn't know it was his stuff. He said, I've been working for you. The father is like, but everything is yours. You've been working for me in your inheritance. Your brother took his part. The other part is yours. So many of us are working for what is already ours. We are praying so that God can move. We are fasting so that God can move. We are so that God can move. We are serving so that God can move. Meanwhile, God already moved. We are hoping, we are working for favor. God is like, no, I put my favor around the righteous. And the righteous are those who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So you already have the favor. Now acknowledge it so that it can work. You see, when you're, when you're a son, you pray differently. Sons pray differently, serve differently. They have a certain authority that they carry in a home. That servants, servants have to always be asking a certain way. Sons don't ask, hoping for, in fact, they are shocked when you say no. Like they come to ask because you told, you've told, you had, Lisa, haven't you had to teach your son to ask? You're still teaching, right? Because everything is his. He goes into the fridge, picks what he wants. You have to say, have you asked? And the sons, the concept of asking, you have to introduce it. Asking, they call it our home. Yeah. Our car. In fact, my home, not our. It's usually come to my home and visit. You're thinking, which home? Which rent do you pay? What brick did you lay? Yeah, yeah, you can come over to my house. I'll talk to my mom. No, no, you should come over. My mom is cool. Come to my house. Yeah, yeah. Guys, my, t- uh, by the way, that my TV, our what, everything is theirs. You would literally have to teach sons and daughters to ask. You have to train them. Ask. And then you say, ask nicely. Because when they ask, give me. That's what that son said to his father. Give me the portion that belongs to me. He asked, we think it's rude, but that's how children are when they feel safe in a home. You have to train them the discipline of ask nicely, please may I have, then some, please give me. You're like, no, 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 please, no, no, no. Can I get it? No, 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 no. It's like they're trying to understand the concept of, look, the thing is mine, mommy, just give it to me. Like, why am I going through English? By the way, in our local language, what is please? Rambi? You guys, you're lying. In Ruchiga, what is please? Huh? It's just the tone. Let me tell you, there's no word called please in our language. It's how you talk. Say, mpa, mpa this. So it's the difference. It's just, it's how you talk. It's how you ask. The please is in the tone. Saba is I'm asking. Because if you say please, you, if the word please, if the please is in Saba, it, it means that when I say, Please sit down. Nsaba otule. Nsaba oyimidile. Nsaba. 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 
But does it actually mean Saba? Does it mean please? Direct translation. We just have to find a word. Hmm? I pray thee, stand up. <laughs> Guys, let me tell you, sons don't approach that way. Sons approach with a certain confidence that sometimes seems rude. Because it's theirs. But workers, eh? <laughs> you have to find beyond in Saba, there has to be another word. And even then, you're shocked when there's a yes. Because you come waiting for a no when you're a servant. But a son is shocked when there's a no. Like when you say no, usually my children say, why? So I had to tell them, listen, when you come to me, you have to be ready. When you ask, you have to be ready for two answers, either yes or no. Because I realize they're not ready for no. They cry so much like someone has died. They can't believe you say, how can you say no to a son? But how many of you, when you pray, you're so confident that your prayer is answered? If it is your will, Lord God. Father, if it pleases you. Father, if it is time. In your time, make all things beautiful. What, 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 what? We are real servants in our prayer. We are not shocked. We are shocked when the thing happens. Did you guys? Shock The thing, huh? It happened. I think God is like, wow, what a good father I am represented to be. My children are always shocked when I answer. In First John, John who knew the love of God, in chapter 4, verse 15, he says, this is the confidence we have. That when we pray, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the petitions that we've asked of him. First John 4, 15 and 16. This is the confidence. Let's go to verse 16. This is the confidence we have. It's 5 maybe. 5. 5, 14. 5. Go to 5. First John 5. It should be 14 and 15. First John 5, 14, yes, together. This is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, what happens? First of all, say, God hears me. Yes, and then what happens next? And if, verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever, what is that word? What is that word? Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's a loving father. So go to your prayer time with God with confidence. Not with Lord God Father, if it is your will, please Lord God Father Lord. If it pleases you. Let's go back to Mary and Martha as we close. Mary and Martha. She was distracted with much serving. Are you distracted with much serving? Are you so busy that you've forgotten to sit at the feet of your father and be refreshed there? Because you're so busy. And some of us, the things we're busy, busy with are not evil things. Mary was not, Martha was not doing something evil. She was preparing for her guest. But by the time she was done preparing, she was offended at the guest. You can serve God until you're offended at God. Yeah. Because you see, your sufficiency to serve comes from God, not from yourself. It is God who gives sufficiency. And that's why you shouldn't feel guilty when you're tired. When you're tired, take a break. <laughs> Sit at his feet. Don't feel guilty. The break may look different. There are times when maybe you're leading a mission or community and you're discipling. And you know what? Maybe the break you need to take is not even from leading. It is from how you're leading. It's the pressure you've put on yourself to produce people a certain way. You can't. It's that start depending on God and not on yourself. For the strength to do the things you want to do. And then when you fall and you fail, 
That's when you need grace and mercy. You go to him for grace and mercy. You don't run away from him. You go to him and say, Lord, I have failed. I am tired. I'm always late. I'm always struggling. I don't know how to love these people. Give me love. Teach me to love them. Teach me. But don't run away and say, I'm a bad disciple. I think this thing is not for me. Where do you need grace in your life right now? Because Jesus said to Martha when she comes running and saying, tell her to come and help me together. And Jesus answered and said to Martha, and he's saying to you today, Martha, Martha, whatever your name is, Liz, Liz, Paul, Paul, Solome, Solome, Doreen, Doreen, Fred, Fred, whatever. You should say your name there. And Jesus answered and said to me, what? Be three, be three. You are worried and troubled about many things. Are there people here who have some things that are troubling you? Yeah? 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 And then he says this. But one thing. How many things are needed? How many things are needed? And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. What had Mary chosen? To sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. To sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Listen, there are going to be so many distractions. Constantly, the world is demanding of our time, of our brains, of our resources. There's never enough. We are never enough. But in Jesus, we are enough. And he's telling us today, take the posture of a child. Sit at my feet. Take the posture of humility, of learning from me. Sit at my feet, hear my word, receive grace for every day. Receive mercy when you fail, receive grace when things are tight, even when you're celebrating to come to him. And I want to end where I began, Matthew 11:28. He says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Where do you go? To him. Where do you go? to Jesus. He doesn't say go and fix your life. Some of you think it's up to you to fix your life. It's not up to you. God wants to fix it but you have to come to him. Bring your brokenness. Lord, I don't know how to love my husband. I don't know how to, how to love my wife. I don't know how to parent my children. I am always going to God and saying teach me not to break these children. And he reminds me, your children are taught of the Lord. Be three. Even in your weakness, I am teaching them. And when they come out gold, I will never be able to say, I am the one who raised those children. I will be able to, before God, say, it is the work of God. Why? He is the one parenting them. Sometimes through me, sometimes through others. But he, is, he, he reminds me, when I feel like I'm failing so much, he reminds me. Because his grace is made perfect. His strength is perfected in our weakness. Because you see, if you can do it, you don't need God. If you can fix it, you don't need God. So acknowledging that you need him allows his power to rest in the place where you are weak. And then you're able to testify and say, it is God who has done it. For sure. Because without him, I wouldn't have been able to do it. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I want to tell you what, what those words actually mean. Labor and heavy laden. And he wants to give us rest. The people who labor are those who have grown weary. It's been a process that has led you to a place where you feel tired. 
those who have grown weary, those who are toiling, those who work with so much effort but see very little results, those who are going through exhausting labor, labor until you're depleted, you're worn out, you're finished, people who are overloaded, who feel weighed down, depressed, just tired. Those are the ones he's saying, come to me. And sometimes you're tired from doing a good thing. Come to me. Come to me. And what will he give us? Rest. Rest. And then he says in verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So God is inviting us today to a place of rest, to a place where he will complete his plan for our lives. God has a plan for your life. You don't have to be the one who has a plan for your life. Maybe you don't know what your destiny is. It's okay. God knows. If you follow him, he'll lead you there. You don't need to know it. You don't need to have a purpose written down somewhere in a book. My purpose is this. Because the one who made you had a purpose in the beginning. If you will follow him, he will lead you to it. He will lead you to it. And so he is calling us that he wants to complete what he has begun in our lives. He wants us to know that he approves of us. That maybe you want someone to approve of you. God wants you to know that the most approval you need is from him. The approval you need the most is from God and he already approves of you. Maybe you're tired from serving. Listen, God loves you. Maybe you give and give and give and you feel like no one ever stops to say thank you. God sees. He notices. And he will give you the grace to continue serving if you can keep going to him, you will never need a man or a woman to say well done. When they do, it will be nice, but it won't be what sustains you. And I'm telling you as one who was addicted to approval, I can't explain to you now. It's nice when people say good things, but even if they never did, it's okay. I know where my approval comes from. And when I feel like I'm in need of it, I go there. And he will minister to you. He will minister to you that approval. He'll minister. You're not needy. He know, he's the only one who can fill your tank. Don't go to men to fill you where only God can fill. Don't go to... God, well, if you, you see, when God fills you, you can go and fill others. But don't try to give when you've not received. Take the posture of a good receiver because God is a generous God. Amen. And so come to him, those of you who labor today. Don't lean on your ability. Don't lean on your intellect. Don't lean on your past success. Don't lean on your family name. Don't lean on your connections. But lean on his strength and on his grace. Because his power flows best where we are weak. So where you feel like you have a weakness, understand that you have a strength. Because God's power will be made manifest there. Weak people are the ones who God's power operates upon. So if you feel weak this afternoon in any area of your life, maybe in your relationships or your finances or just you're tired, God wants to rest his power on you today. Amen. I'm going to ask us to get up on our feet today as we close. And the worship team, if you could come. And I'm going to ask if you feel like this, this word was for you. It's not, you know, like... You've been tired, you've been weary, you just need God to refresh you. I just want you to come to the front. Just right here, we want to pray with you. Just come to the front and let God minister to you. Right here at the front. Just come and let's pray together. You just need refreshing. You just need God's power to rest in that area where there's been weakness. 
You need God's comfort or God's peace or just God's grace to flow this morning. Just come and stand right there and I want us to pray together. As God ministers, his strength and his refreshing over us in your marriages. I sense a word for marriages. God wants to refresh our marriages. Those of you who are married, God wants to refresh our parenting. The parents who are parenting, instead of guilt, we come to God today for refreshing that his strength will be made perfect in our weakness. Even for your workplace, some of you are so, you even want to, someone today you came and you're saying, God, give me a sign if I should quit my job. Don't. It's not time to quit yet. He will refresh you and strengthen you and you will see his grace upon your life even in the next months to come. Just hang in there. Hang in there. If God wants you to move on, he'll tell you, but it won't be because of too much pain. It won't be because of too much pain.